So if you'd like to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, um, I have some questions for you as we start out this morning. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? Can I see your hand? You make New Year's resolutions. All right, come on. None of you? Well, okay, one, <laughs> two, uh, three. All right, now, here's my next question for all the rest of you. Why don't you make New Year's resolutions? Because you don't keep them? Is that the deal? How many of you used to make New Year's resolutions? Ah, and you've given up on them. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's too bad. I always have hope. Uh, no matter what happens, you know, I'm always planning to change. Um, I, I've uh, been um, toying with the idea of a resolution of trying to lose some weight. That's a real challenging resolution, by the way, uh, for those of you that uh, may struggle with that issue. I asked my doctor if he had any uh, plans or formula or, you know, something that I could, uh, could use that might help. And to my surprise, he said, yes. What is it? Put less in your mouth. Well, there we go. We're back to basics. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I want to talk to you this morning about resolutions. And I want to talk about why we often fail to keep them. And how to adjust that so that we're moving forward and upward in goals that are worthwhile rather than just living life and saying, well, <laughs> I'm not going to change. So why bother with making a, a, another resolution? I'm not going to change. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, this is a great chapter and it's a personal testimony of Paul's life. And I want to kind of look at the chapter and then lift some of the principles out of this chapter that Paul identifies for us as a part of how he works inside. He says in Philippians 3.1, Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things again is no trouble to me and it's a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision. Now, you recall that circumcision is a sign of the covenant. In other words, uh, there are those who profess the covenant but really don't keep it. And then there are those who may not uh, have the sign of the covenant, but they have the commitment of the covenant to Jesus Christ and, and uh, follow, follow God. And so he says, we're the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although... I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. 
If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. What Paul is giving us here is a, a bit of his background. And he says, in terms of being a good Jew, in terms of being a devoted, dedicated, committed Jew, he says, I have reason to boast. He says, if anybody has reason, I have reason. In fact, we know uh, from uh, other passages and sections that, that Paul was uh, becoming a promising rabbi. Uh, he was uh, studying under Gamaliel, uh, the, the chief rabbi, most respected rabbi. He was uh, growing in a knowledge of the scriptures. Um, he was really advancing. Uh, he had a great pedigree uh, 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 from the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin and Judah, being those two southern tribes. And uh, Paul says, if anybody has a reason to put confidence in my own abilities. And that's what he means when he says, in the flesh. If anyone has a reason to put confidence in their own ability, in their own strength, in their own uh, devotion, I certainly have it. But he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And I want to lift that out as a first principle in anticipating the keeping of a successful resolution. And by the way, a resolution is nothing more or less than a goal. It's a goal that you set. This is what I would like to accomplish. This is, this is my desire. I want to see this happen in my life, okay? If you want to see your goals realized and it, it it's kind of difficult to live without any goals at all you may not call them new year's resolutions but if every once in a while you don't take stock of yourself and uh and kind of look at where you are and and make some decisions about changing uh, in a positive direction then you're not going to be going anywhere. Uh, you've heard the saying that uh, we should not be surprised if you keep doing the same thing over and over that you continue to get the same results. If you don't change something, you're just going to be kind of on that little hamster wheel going around and around, and uh, actually you're going to be on the bottom of it because that's the way gravity works. And you're just going to be standing there marking time without moving forward. So we need goals. We need to take stock. We need to evaluate. Uh, every once in a while, we ought to take some time uh, to, to spend a day and go aside and reflect on our lives and say, am I becoming the person that I want to be? Am I making progress? Am I moving forward in the direction that's important to me? 
or do I just have these ideas out there of what it, what would be nice to accomplish, but I'm, I'm really not going anywhere. And so, as we take this, as we take stock of ourselves, one of the reasons that we may find difficulty in keeping our goals or keeping our resolutions is that we are depending on our own strength. We are counting on our ability. And there's a huge problem with that. We really don't have that ability in and of ourselves. Some people are just kind of naturally born with an ability to be more self-disciplined than others. But when it comes to the really big issues of life, and when it comes to uh, moral commitments, and it comes to uh, depth of character, and to really being that quality person that we desire to be, perhaps, I hope you do, then we do not have the ability in and of ourselves to do that. So Paul says, I don't put any confidence in the flesh. And even though I have every right to, and I have all this background, I don't trust myself any longer. And so if you're having trouble with resolutions, maybe you're trusting yourself. Maybe you're counting on your ability to perform. And all the while, God is saying, I am here to do it through you. If you do not put confidence in yourself, but you put confidence in me, I am here to do in and through you that which is truly significant. And so verse 7, Paul says, Whatever things were gained to me, I count loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that is derived from keeping the rules, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And then listen to what Paul says uh, as he breaks his goal down. Remember his goal in verse uh, 8, I want to know Christ Jesus my Lord. In verse 10 he says that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says this is the overarching goal of my life. This is the chief objective that 
drives me, that compels me, that moves me forward. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the power of His resurrection. I want to know what it's like to have the power of God working through me. Uh, to experience that dunamis, that, that energy, that vitality that comes in the power that was demonstrated when Jesus Christ rose from the grave and triumphed over the powers of darkness. And he says, in knowing the power of his resurrection, I want to have the, the fellowship of his sufferings. Uh, that word is most frequently translated fellowship, but it can also mean to share in, to participate with. Paul says, I'm willing to suffer with Christ. I, I want to experience intimacy with Him, whatever the cost. I'm willing to pay the price. I want to know what it's like to share His sufferings and to be conformed to His death. Jesus Christ did not count his own life uh, to be more valuable than going to the cross and giving it for you and for me. And Paul says, I'm willing to give my life for a greater cause in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And he's not talking about working for your salvation Paul makes it abundantly clear in so many places, and, and as do the rest of the scriptures, that salvation is by grace, through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God that no one should boast. So he's not talking here about working for our salvation. But he's talking about having an intimate fellowship with Christ, experiencing His power, sharing His suffering, coming to know Him day by day, day in, day out, walking with Him, experiencing Him, so that I can attain in the resurrected glory that is my Lord's. I want to be like Jesus. I want to know Him and be like Him. Now, I can hold that before you as the most worthy goal that we can adopt this morning. But that's kind of what you expect from the preacher on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> All right, let's talk about resolutions. You ought to put Jesus first. Okay, we all know that. But there's a principle here that I think goes beyond knowing Christ, if I may put it this way, to lesser goals, which are nonetheless valuable and important. Knowing Christ in the midst of everyday life is the overarching goal. But there are many worthy and valuable, important goals in our lives 
and they may differ for each of us. But here's the principle to me that arises out of it. In order to expect God to come to our aid and empower us with His resurrection life to keep those goals and resolutions which we have adopted, they must be worthy of His attention. They must be worthwhile. If your goal is to get that dream car you've always wanted in 2018. There's nothing particularly wrong with that. Maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. I do hope that you would invite God into the process. And as you do, and uh, perhaps attain your goal, I hope that you would give Him thanks for it. But... Is that truly a worthy goal for the investment of your life? Just on the surface of things. Nothing wrong if it's possible. But is it worthy? Obviously, I can't take a bunch of different examples and determine for you which ones are valuable and which ones aren't. But the principle that you need to examine as you go before God and evaluate your progress in life is, am I pursuing worthwhile objectives? Am I after things that have value? Do I want to take advantage more consistently of the opportunities to share Christ? Do I want to be a better parent and bring God's wisdom into that equation? Do I want to be a better spouse? Do I want to be uh, someone who works as unto the Lord in my job? Because the Scripture says that. If you have a job and you're a, a servant, you get a paycheck from someone, serve them as you would the Lord. And if you can't do that, maybe you need to look for another one. There are worthy goals. And frankly, I mentioned somewhat in joking about losing weight, but maybe some of you would like to lose weight so you'll look better. <laughs> you, want, you know, you look in the mirror and you say, I, I want to look sharper than I look. I, I want people... I want people to notice me for, for my physique. Well, that may not be worthy, but I need to be healthy because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That is another twist to the same objective. And if 
you're in trouble health-wise, and some people aren't. You know? It just depends. If you're in trouble, maybe you need God's grace and God's strength to make changes. The question that I'm asking and the principle that is being given here is, have you chosen worthy goals for the right reasons? Are you motivated by the glory of God for the things that are important in the development of your character and your growth in Christ? I'm not saying that God isn't interested in the other things. God cares about everything in your life. But some things are really, really important. And other things may even be a distraction. So when you think about resolutions, choose wisely. Maybe you have never been able to consistently read the Bible. And that's always bothered you. Uh, You set goals. You have a desire to accomplish certain things. Well, guess what? Starting Monday, we're going to be reading Isaiah together. Two chapters a day. That's not a tremendous lot to read. Two chapters a day. For recreation this week, I read a book. Um, I think it was Friday. Old book. It's a novel. I liked it. (laughs) It was a good book. It entertained me. And sometimes when I'm reading a whole book that's 300 pages long or so, I have this niggling thought. Why is it so hard to sit down and read 300 pages of Scripture in one sitting? That's a good question. That's something that I need to evaluate. But maybe you've never read the Scriptures at all. Maybe you just dust your Bible off (laughs) occasionally and it just sits there. And you've never had a consistent Bible reading plan. You have one this year. Starting Monday, you can read two chapters in Isaiah a day for January and February. And you can do that with the whole congregation. You can pick a friend or two out of this congregation that's doing the same thing. And you can become accountable to one another. You don't have to turn that into a rigid legalistic thing. You can just call each other on the phone and talk about what you've been reading and how it's been impacting you. Isaiah is going to be a challenging book. There's a lot of stuff in there that uh, you kind of scratch your head and say, what's he talking about? And it may be good to have a conversation with a couple of other people. But as you move along, here is a worthy goal, and it has an end point. It's only 
less than two months. Can you do this for two months? You know what they say? If you can do something different for 30 days, you can build a new habit into your life. So here's an opportunity to see change and transformation by simply purposing with the rest of us to read two chapters in Isaiah per day. And then there's a little column of uh, one of the ministries of the church to pray for. And maybe you can spend a minute or two praying. If you're not used to praying and interceding, a minute or two will seem like a long time. But as you become accustomed to it, you will find that the time gets by you more quickly than you imagined. Pick worthy goals. And then Paul says, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. And that word in this context means mature. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that well, actually, in this verse, it does mean completed. And a little later on, he uses it in the sense of maturity. But he says, I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul's telling us that he and Jesus are in this together. He's reaching out for him, but Christ has already reached out to him that they together might see accomplished what Christ desires. And he says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. And actually, there's three things here, but it's it's a unit. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And here's where many of us fall on our face. We look back, and I ask you at the beginning, how many of you used to keep resolutions, and why don't you anymore? And most of us, if we're honest, admit that it's because we never kept them. We always failed. And why bother continuing to try when all we did in the past was fail? But you see, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. You know, one of the most wonderful things about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, you get to have a lot of do-overs. Isn't that wonderful? You can come to Him and, and you can say, I really messed up, and I agree with you, I'm not doing well here, but I want to forgive me and re-energize me to move forward.
I want to lay this aside. One of the enemy's greatest tricks that he plays in our lives is to get us to rehearse our failures. He wants us to dwell on our inadequacies. To remember our sins. And the amazing thing is, God, who has a perfect memory, chooses not to remember our sins. When the scripture says he remembers them no more, it doesn't mean he has amnesia. It means that he has chosen not to recall the times we have failed. He puts them aside. The scripture says, as far as the east is from the west. And you've heard me say this before, but not all of you. So I'll repeat it. The scripture is very clear in making that statement. If it said, as far as the north is from the south, can you traverse that distance and measure it? Yes, you can. You can go from the North Pole to the South Pole. There's a start point and an end point. But if you go east from west, you can go east forever and never go west. Or you can turn around and go west forever and never go east. God separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. In other words, infinitely. He removes them out of our lives. He casts them into the depths of the sea. There are so many statements in Scripture about being covered by the blood of Christ and forgiven and cleansed. And our failures and our shortcomings and the times that we mess up. God buries those things so that we don't have to dwell on the past and we don't have to live in that place. When I first came to know the Lord and I gave my life to Christ without reservation, I had formed a habit as many of my peers of using foul or slang language, whatever you want to call it. And um, it didn't take long, a couple of days, for me to come under conviction by the Holy Spirit that that's not how I should talk. And then I found something to my horror that it just slipped out. It just kind of came out, and I didn't know what to do about that, because I was saying something inappropriate before I even realized it. And so I had a conversation with God about that. I said, Lord, I can't stop this. I formed a habit here, and I can't keep from these words coming out of my mouth. I need you to change me. 
And I think the Lord planted an idea in my mind, but something came to me, and this is how I prayed. I said, Lord, I need to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And then I need to be reminded that it's inappropriate. So before these things come out of my mouth, would you bring to mind the cross of Christ? And that he died for me. And that I should have speech that is seasoned with grace and with love and appropriate to your name. And did you know what happened? God began to cause me to remember the cross before the words in my brain came out of my mouth. And that gave me an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to stop them. And over time, really a relatively short period of time, a month or two, God had completely eradicated from my speech all inappropriate language. It was gone. And then as time went along, the habits changed to where it's not something that occupies my thoughts anymore. God can do that. And I worked in college as a carpenter, and I hit my thumb more than once. Those of you that have ever done any roofing, you know what happens when you pick up a short nail. You've got a handful, and you're flipping them between your fingers. If you get a short one, guess what happens? You hit your fingers before the nail hits the wood. It's not very fun. But... Um, I learned through all of those experiences that Christ could be triumphant. We have to forget the past and anticipate the future that is triumphant in Jesus Christ. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, I put behind me my failures. It's over and done with. I can't fix it. I can't undo it. I can't change it. What's done is done. Move on. I'm reaching toward what lies before me. And then he says, I press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the, and the word press there is like a bench press. When you've got the weight right at your maximum effort <laughs> and you're doing everything you can to, to push it up. This is not just, uh, oh God, will you change me? And by the way, I'm going to sit around waiting and twiddling my thumbs until you do. This is, uh, I've got my whole energy in this. 
I'm pressing toward the goal. I desire the goal. I'm giving it all I've got, but I'm depending on God to provide for me the empowerment and His presence to make it possible. And so Paul says in verse 15, Let us therefore as many as are, and here's where it's mature, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you. But let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. I don't know if uh, any of you have ever done any rock climbing or anything like that, but if you're uh, moving up the face of a, of a cliff or something and you, you've been climbing and you get to a certain point and you just need to take a break, you don't rappel back down to the bottom to start over. You get a foothold and a handhold, or maybe you tie off on the line, and you just rest for a bit, holding your place until you have recovered energy and can move on up the face. And little by little, you can accomplish the goal. You know, if every time we fail, we go back to the beginning in our misery, we're not going to make progress. But what Paul is saying here is, I'm going to continue living by the standard that I've reached. I'm trusting God. He's brought me this far by faith. I'm going to hang in there. And then when I kind of get rejuvenated, I'm going to move forward again. And if I've slipped back a few steps, I'm going to forget it. I've still, I've got to climb it. I've got to go on. I've got to keep moving. And so I'm going to go forward. I want to encourage you. I'm a big one for resolutions. Maybe you can figure that out. But they're important to me. I like to take this time of year to evaluate. I want to take stock. I want to get before God and find out how I'm doing. I want to take a look at the things that are not doing well. And I want to look at the things that God has accomplished. And then I want to make worthy goals that are pleasing to Him in the development of my spirituality and my character. And lay those out before God and say, Lord, with Your help, this is what I want to see in my life. And if I'm on the wrong track, God will show me that. And I have to put 2017 behind me. It's gone. You can't get that back. It's gone. But you can look forward to a new opportunity. We have no idea what is in front of us. 
But we know that God is going to be there and we can trust Him to enable us to set and to keep worthwhile goals. So if you've given up on resolutions, can I renew your vision a little bit this morning? Can I encourage you? Just pick one thing that will make you more like Christ. One thing that will develop His character in you. And put it before Him and ask for His empowerment. Would you do that? Father, thank You for loving us and making it possible for do-overs. And in Jesus Christ, making it possible to change. I'm so grateful that Part of the gospel message is that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can see transformation in our lives. And we don't have to be the same people we have always been. And we ask for your grace to embrace this truth in Jesus' name. Amen.